This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Let me get on to the uh, the brightest panel. We have a um, a favorite of ours because it comes as a two pack. We always like doing this because it, you are you guys are the only husband wife team that we have as the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio. Uh, ladies first, a uh, Jen Watson and Jay McQueen uh, of. 900 CHML radio. Yeah. Sort of. Hey. Sort of. Sort of. You're back eventually. Eventually. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Jen is still... Um, still in baby world. Still on mat leave, which is great. Family's good. Yeah. Family's yeah. good. And uh, Jay, you hear, I don't know, three, four hundred times a day, whatever it is, giving oh. you the updates. 11, I think we counted. Is it 11 a day now? 11 a day? Uh, no, it's way more than that. Yeah, no. it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not once an hour. It's uh, like six times an hour, right? So. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Six yeah. times. That's good, though. You know, one of these times, you know what I'd like you to do just one time? One time. Have a different weather every single time you do it during the day and see how many people start calling in. How many people don't even pay attention? It's like they hear it that one time and they go, oh, okay. And how many people are following every single weather report and are now completely confused yeah. by what's happening? Yeah, my mom will be the most confused. <laughs> it's she the would. apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, or your grandma, because she wakes up at 5 o'clock to yeah. listen. <laughs> As she should. Yeah. As she should. Uh, hey, thanks for coming in, you guys. Yeah. Um, thanks for having us. We were... So our night out, I showered and everything. As I told you, that's why we were running late. Like I had to shower. <laughs> well, you know, what, whatever it takes to come in. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm still thinking that one of these days we're going to get this, this studio licensed. And then, yeah. you know. Yeah, we need to. Yeah. You know, we're also the, going to do that after this. Oh, are you? Got well, the babysitter lined up and everything. All right. You don't have the uh, beer plus beer equals shenanigans shirts no, on, so that's no, good. No, just my hammer shirt. That's <laughs> yep, it. Yep, the hammer shirt. <laughs> Uh, got a lot of stuff. Some, uh, as we do every week, some more serious, some more silly, some more lighthearted, but um, a lot of things to get to this week. And, and we do this every week. If you're new to the show, Friday is discussion time of all kinds of things that are going on in the world. And we found out, was it Monday this week? I believe the counselor, Donna Skelly, has decided she's going to throw her hat into the ring to run provincially against, again, again, against Judy Partridge. In the same riding, this will be um, interesting. Like in Par- Sorry, I'm yeah, because in I'm, in, I'm in Babyland. I don't know what's going on, so you need to educate me. Yeah, as so we the go. two of them. So she's going to run in Judy's. Well, riding. Yes, they're but they're wow. going after each other in uh, in that particular riding. But here's the thing: leaving aside the politics of who you like, who you don't like, who's got the better party, who doesn't. That that stuff is all going to be sorted out in the wash and in the election. What? struck me though is should we when you are a municipal politician or well any politician and you go to see but for now municipal politician and you go to seek higher office and you announce your candidacy for a higher office should you not have to immediately resign your seat should you not have to say listen i'm i'm run i'm all in this is this is what i'm doing and if i'm actually seeking a different office and I still have some decision-making powers here, I should be stepping away and I should be saying, no, I'm, I'm running and I'm, I, I, I thought of this today and look, I, I trust both of them. It's not that I, I think either one is nefarious or is going to use their powers for evil or anything. Just seems to me we've had many people over the years who have decided to run from the municipal platform. And it seems to me once you make that announcement, you mm-hmm. should say, okay, I'm out. Well, I mean, how long is it till the next? It's a year and a half, right? Or 2018, I should say. 2018. So it's next year. Next so, year. So I mean, and you so pretty you much have to start campaigning 
Well, they're starting now. Well, yeah. Starting now-ish, but... Uh, and you could say, you could make the case, well, you know what, then if I don't want to do that, I could wait. I could wait till two months before the election. So I could still sit on, on city council. That yeah, would probably it, hurt your chances. I guess the other thing too, though, is that municipal politics is not supposed to be like... Party? Along party lines, right? So obviously when you have a councillor who's going to say, well, I'm going to run for this party, then, I mean, it's kind of, you can tell where each councillor kind of sway is usually, but I mean, and, and they usually well, have affiliations, a, right, right? Everyone has a political leaning. For sure. But I mean, I guess the whole idea, yeah, that municipal council is not supposed to be party like that. So, but, but again, and I get, but I'm then, not, but then, yeah. So then that counselor is like, oh, well, this counselor is, you know, PC, this counselor is NDP, this counselor is liberal. And so maybe that could hurt you, right? Depending on in your writing. It could hurt you. But also, Jay, I mean, the reality is that, and I, I'm not pointing again, I'm not, po- I haven't seen indications of since they have announced their candidacy, taking orders from higher you know, from the leaders of their party, but Mm -hmm. you could say that down the road, someone runs for office and they are now running for the NDP. And so they will do the bidding of the leader of the NDP on city council. That is not what should be going on there. I I mean, yeah, I think that um, if you're going to be campaigning, if you're making the commitment to uh, campaign for higher office, it's a big, uh, it's a big announcement. It's a big deal. Right. And I think it's probably a full-time job. Um, so that's a whole other point, but yes, you're right. So I'm thinking that because you were elected to do a job, you were elected to hold a, um, you know, a city council position in a specific ward in the city and you were voted in there to do that. Now you, you know, they have staff and all that kind of stuff in their offices. But I think that because it's such a, uh, probably a demanding thing to, to run an election campaign for upwards of a year or whatever it is, um, that there's n- you can't tell me that that is not going to take away from your focus on city hall and and also you can't tell me that you know um your your priorities in how you vote or how you do things around the council table are not somehow going to be skewed by are not going to align with a party right and so because I, how awkward would it be and and again th- we can't have this discussion without talking about Donna Skelly and Judy Partridge. They are the two people who are in this position Mm. now. But how awkward would it be if Judy Partridge, for example, now, because she's running for the Liberals who are pushing for the LRT, Mm -hmm. if she were to stand up and if the LRT discussion came up again and she were to start ripping the LRT, that doesn't fit with her party now. Right, and her constituents probably are not... Not wanting it. Not for LRT, so... You create... A cumbersome, potentially, potentially, mm-hmm. you end up with a cumbersome situation here. Well, and then even for Donna Skelly, who is going to be focusing her efforts on a different ward than her owner, riding. I mean, I know it's not exactly the same municipally versus provincially, but generally, like, I mean, she's Ward 7, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, out in Flamborough, like, again, like you said, yeah, you're not, it, it's going to be skewed, maybe, your, your, um, your direction of what you're trying to do, right? Who are you working for now? I, I would, and I would make this argument, by the way, I would make this argument the same if a provincial politician were announcing they were going to run federally. Mm-hmm. I believe they should step away from their provincial job if they were going to do that. My understanding, and I, I it's been a while, no, not that long. I mean, Bob Bertina probably was the last, but when Bob Bertina was working here and decided to run for city council. Am I not correct that he had to go, did he, was he allowed to remain on the air? Did he, he have to go off the air? He had to go, go off, off for a little bit, didn't he? 
Uh, See, but many places. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. But many places, if you're not allowed to be in the positions, or he could be here, but he couldn't talk about political right. things. You can't use the platform yeah. you have, mm-hmm. the the privileged platform, to boost yourself. Now that's a slightly different thing than what we're talking about here. But there's in all these different political things, there are issues that pop up when you decide you're going to run. Isn't it when you run, if you run for uh, mayor and you're already a councillor, don't you sort of... Well, you can't run for your ward again. You can't have the backup plan of running for your ward as well. So, yeah, that's, I mean, it's a bit different situation. But yeah, I I think that just from a standpoint of, you know, being elected to to serve your constituents, you know, and you build Mm -hmm. a rapport with people and then all of a sudden it's, oh, I'm going to be campaigning for the next year. You know, I think you're uh, you're sort of taking away from the job you're you were you know sworn in to do, right? And I have no. Some people are very bent out of shape that Councillor Partridge and Councillor Skelly are, you know, in their words, abandoning the job that they were given. Look, the the municipal and provincial and federal elections don't align. Maybe that's something we should have: is hmm. all three elections tied together oh. so they're all on one day you go and you, you vote for that would be disastrous would be, for us who had to cover it well imagine the, imagine the signs oh man <laughs> imagine the signs yeah. but that would make things easier because then you could choose what you're going to run for and it would all happen at the same time we don't have that though so i don't i don't look at it to say that a politician that has decided to run for a different office is abandoning what they're doing that's their right to do that mm-hmm. You can, you can feel that and you can vote against them for that reason. But at the same time, I just, this, this thing where you're doing one job, fighting for another job, balancing interests, trying not to balance interests. Because again, I, I, I know both Judy Partridge and I know Donna Skelly and I believe, I'm not someone who believes that they are going to be trying to massage things to their they're, they're not going to be doing stuff on city council. Right. I don't believe, but the pressure is going to be on to do it. For sure, right. the pressure is going to so be on to do it. how do you balance it, it right? How do you how balance do you, it? How do you keep them separate? How do you f- force the perception that you're not doing it? Mm-hmm. Every vote now, people are going to look at and say, well, why is she voting that way? Right. Yeah. It's is there something, be... it, just the question, right? Even though it could be purely like, this is the way she would have voted regardless, exactly. but people will be questioning. Exactly. And that's, yeah. that's... Politics, you know, perception. Perception is reality. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, and I don't fault them for, much like you don't fault them for wanting to, uh, you know, take it a step up no, uh, no. the the uh, governmental chain because I, I could probably name a few more people on city council that will be doing that eventually. Well, <laughs> but all, and people that, uh, didn't Andrea Horvath, she used to be a councillor, right? Scott Duvall. I yeah, mean, we've had a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Many that's people. What, that's kind of the stepping stone, right? It ha- Traditionally, it has been that. Yeah. Traditionally, it has been that. And that's how you... Most people in our in our city don't have the kind of name recognition out of the blue that would allow would enable them to win a provincial seat. You just don't. Mm-hmm. You have to, people have to know you mm-hmm. more often than not. And city council is one of those ways. You get there, you get in the news, you, you people find out who you are, and then you decide to do that. Right. Yep. It's. I mean, fame, if we want to call it that, is necessary. Look at no how variety. many. Well, that that <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Maybe, but how many media people in this city have run for office and generally won? And are they all gifted politicians? Not necessarily, but people know who their name is. Yeah. And they and they go, oh, I know that name on the ballot. You are Jennifer Mossop. Jennifer Mossop. I mean, you could go down the list. It's a long yeah. list. Mm-hmm. It's a long yeah. list. 
And most have won, not all, but most have won. I'll say right here, by the way, live on the air. You can keep the tape of this, by the way. Tuck it away somewhere safe. I am never running for office. (laughs) I am never, ever, ever running for public office. Would you ever run for public office? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Not even for the Communist Party. <laughs> Especially not. <laughs> Would you ever run for office? You know, I that was I really wanted to when I was younger. I Did you? loved politics and I totally wanted that's something that I wanted to do. Um, I don't know that I would now. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It just seems so, I think I would get annoyed with the the politics, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Which kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I, I don't think so. I would like to see, um, and you can't do it now. You can't do it halfway through the game. You can't suddenly tell Judy Partridge and Donna Skelly, hey, resign. I mean, that's not fair because other people haven't done it before. But you know what? I would like to see down the road, and you can't do it at a, I don't think you can do it at a, at a municipal level. It would have to be a provincial thing, an edict handed down that says, if you decide you're going to run. Don't they usually, though? I'm trying to remember, and I, I feel like, when people, people, you know, when there's been by-elections and people, um, like they're going to run for party leader or something, is that different? Maybe you have to resign your seat as. Uh, yeah, you know what? I I don't recall, uh, and maybe in Radley at 900CHML.com, if you can think of one, because I don't recall a municipal politician stepping down mid-term to run for something else. They usually keep their seat and they're able to carry on as a city councilor or whatever, and then they run. And then if they lose the provincial election, they just come back and slide back into their seat. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I think it would really help with, to be honest, is while I think that um, both Donna Skelly and Judy Partridge are good people, and I also think that it would... It would make people who decide they're going to go from City Hall to something else, it would make you really have to decide how badly you want to do this. Right. Yeah. Because there's no backup plan. There's no fallback. There's no safety net. Once you decide, if it doesn't pan out, then... You're out. You're out. And, you know, some people may argue with that because they say, no, no, we want to clear City Hall out every once in a while. We want (laughs) to move people out. This is one way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um... You or know, just term that, limits. Well, that's another thing. But no, that, it, that my original idea might mean that some councillors who would think about running would never, ever leave city council then. I'm not going to take that risk. I'll yeah. just stay here. <laughs> yeah. I have a job yeah, for life. Yeah, if we want to go down that road. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, um, we're, you know, we're getting uh, a Frank writes in. I agree with you. Perhaps at least step down without an immediate replacement to your seat until the provincial election is said and done. So not necessarily that you're losing your seat, just that you don't have a vote on city council until you're... But then does somebody... Sorry, was that... The, is there somebody in, in the interim that will No, vote? they would say that seat would remain empty. But then who's hmm. speaking for this? those That's, constituents, That right? becomes the problem. Then. You have, for you sure. have no representation. For sure. But do you want to spend... The seat gets so complicated and it gets so costly because then you have to have a by-election and a by-election costs money and how many people actually show up to vote in a by-election? Right. Mm. I mean, it's like we could count them with the hands in this room right now. <laughs> yeah. So interesting idea though. I would, I would love to see, um, I would love to see what would happen if, if a rule was put in. The only other part about this, I wonder if a provincial body, a provincial government ever would put a rule like this in, or if people would say it's self-serving because it's now 
convincing municipal politicians not to run and take shots at the people who are now passing the law saying you can't take me on. <laughs> it's all, see how how confusing yeah. this whole thing is. Yeah. But I don't know. It just it seems not quite right that you're just sort of doing multiple things and yeah. possibly serving, possibly in some cases serving multiple masters. But. I agree. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. I don't know if you saw this story today. By the way, uh, Jen Watson and Jay McQueen, both from 900 CHML, in studio as the brightest panel in Hamilton Radio today. There was a story that moved today all over the place because this was one of those stories that you know, okay, I know everyone is mad at Donald Trump, blah, 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 but his wife, Melania, gives a, or tried to give a school library a gift, and apparently she paid for this and wanted to donate it, a bunch of Dr. Seuss books for this elementary school. The librarian from that school, rather than accepting this gift, which seemed to be a genuine gift with thanks, uh, instead of that, she rejected them, sent a nasty note back to the first lady and told her basically, you know, go stick it. We don't want your books. We don't want you. And if you really want to do something, uh, find something else. But leaving aside, whether you agree with Donald Trump or not, leaving aside the rudeness of that, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk about that because we all know, I mean, there's nobody, even if you hate Donald Trump, listen, someone was giving your school some books, even if you don't want the books. Accept the books and then say, we'll give them to someone else. But the part that really, really puzzled me on this one is the librarian wrote back that not only was Dr. Seuss cliche and not appropriate for kids anymore, but that there is racist mockery and sexism and racism rife throughout Dr. Seuss. And as I read, and, and yeah, first of all, I'm thinking, wait a second, when I read Dr. Seuss to my kids, because I did, like we all did. I wasn't reading it as I'm reading If I Own the Zoo, thinking, oh, If I Own the Zoo. And look, I hate black people. I mean, there was nothing racist (laughs) that struck me. Mr. Brown Camus, can you? (laughs) But the fact is, what struck me about this is not so much this particular example. It's that, have we not seemed to have reached a point where nothing is inoffensive. Oh, yeah. Everything. uh, Dr. Seuss, to me, seems like one of the things that is guaranteed to be inoffensive. It is a kid's thing that we can all read and just read to our kids. How how have we suddenly reached a point when now I have to be scouring children's literature for alleged cases of subtle, what's the quote, dog whistle racism that when did this happen? Maybe that was just her excuse to. But others, no, others have actually said there that this is it? A, this is it's not widespread, but there are those who cite. Okay, but where? But where? Show us. Give like, do they give an example of in this? You know, green eggs and ham. Sam, you know, says this. Like, where? What's their example? You have to back it up with. Something. When the doctor, this is from the, a story on. Um, I'm not sure where this story is from. I just pulled this offline. There's a million different uh, versions of this story online. Um, where did I go here? Uh, da, 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 da. Um, sorry, I just lost my uh, my place here. Um, 
When the Dr. Zeus Museum opened earlier this year, it drew criticism for ignoring Geisel's history of racist imagery, even if he tried to combat his own legacy with the publication of Horton Hears a Who, whose message of inclusivity is widely believed to have been an apology, as well as anti-bigotry cartoons. I, it, the, the point I'm making is it's, I don't think anyone denies that racism and sexism and these things are out there and we try to avoid them, but we seem to have reached a point where we're looking under every rock for the tiniest inferred, not even necessarily real hint of something yeah. that ruins everything. It ruins everything. So what, yeah, are they going to, you're not, they're not going to have Dr. Seuss books in schools now, like, because of, because of that? It doesn't. But is there, is there a child alive who would read Dr. Seuss and come away thinking they disliked a person of a different nationality. No, that is learned behavior. They would learn that from somewhere else, not from Dr. Seuss, right? They wouldn't know sure. any better. They wouldn't know any better unless somebody else told them. Exactly. So if you were to read that, Jay, you, how many times have you read Dr. Seuss books to your kids? Do we have, we have a few, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Yeah. Brown can move. Yeah, can Mr. You? Brown can move. Yeah. Can you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> can. And yeah, I never once thought, well, you know, uh, that, there's some sort of racist undertones in it, or I mean, but maybe I'm just thinking to myself, I hope this works, and I hope she gets sleepy, and I hope she goes to bed <laughs> yeah, without we're a fight about other and things. all this stuff, right? <laughs> but I've never, I've, I've never before heard this. But apparently, as I say, it's out there. There are those who see this again. To me, one of the problems with this is that there is, as I said a moment ago, there is legitimately racism out there. There is sexism out there. When you drop Dr. Seuss into this. It uh, makes you're just reaching, I think. But it makes the whole, all the rest of them. It's like the boy who cried wolf. It makes all the others now seem ridiculous. Yeah. Rather mm-hmm. than saying, look, here's real examples that we have to deal with. When you basically carpet bomb everything and say, listen, you can find racism here and here. And then everyone says, well, come on. Next time there is an actual case of racism. They go, what, like the Dr. Seuss one? Yeah. It just minimizes it. It minimizes right? it. Yeah, 100%. you get to the point where it's like anything else, where you get tired of hearing about the same thing over and over. And maybe it's easy for me to sit here and say that, but and I'm not talking specifically about racism, but but the same, yeah, I mean, it seems like every time we come on to do The Brightest Panel, there's always a story about somebody was offended about something. And we're sitting here going like, Give me a break. Like you have to actually be openly uh, seeking something to be offended by for you to actually be offended by this. If you're going about your daily life and, you know, you <laughs> you have things to do and you're busy and all this stuff, you would never even think of this. But if you're sitting there going like, it's almost like people are like, what can I be offended by? I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, or uh, here's, here's my, here's my issue that, that my list of me. grievances. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to look really hard at things and, and see what I can find. And then we come up with stories like this, right? But Jen, you use the word, and I think it's the perfect word is that it minimizes the real cases For and sure. there are real cases. No one's arguing that they're not real cases, but it, it, it seems like because we're taking up time talking about this non-issue when there are real issues out there, right? Yes. Like yes. real cases. This, this I'm, not, is I'm not criticizing us, like you. No, I know about what you're topic, saying. But this you know librarian, I mean? she yeah. referred to this. Her description of Dr. Seuss was, and I, this is a quote: "Racist propaganda." <laughs> okay. And so now I'm thinking, 
well, wait a second. What are the, you raised the point. The kids would never see, I don't think, I don't think any kid would see in Dr. Seuss something and then say, you know, I just read this and now I can't like you, Becky, because you're a different race or a different whatever. No one, no. But what are the kids picking up from her then? Oh, yeah, absolutely. What is she telling the kids that is in here for kindergarten kids or grade one kids? Oh, by the way, kids, Horton in Horton Hears a Who was really a raging anti-Semite. What? (laughs) You're not like, no. (laughs) She didn't actually say that. I mean, I'm just using an example. But the whole thing just seems like we've, Jay, you said it, we've dug so deeply to try and find stuff that offends us. And then... If we don't quite find it, well, we can spin it slightly enough so that it, it we'll manufacture yeah. it and make it so that we'll at least have the possibility that there could be something offensive. And there are always those who are seeking their 15 minutes of fame, right? And because we're on the radio, maybe we don't, you know, we we have our, you know, we're on the radio, right? But this librarian and wherever she was, um, you know, this was her big shot, right? Uh, Melania Trump sends some books her way and now she's going to make a big deal out of it, yeah. spin it the way she wants. And then look at, look at, she's on in the news, right? Talking about her school, talking about her, you know. And so is that, is that then a good thing for her? Well, I mean. Well, she'll find if, she, if she'll find her phone out, won't stop ringing because producers will be calling her and camera trucks will be out on her front lawn and all that. So hopefully she enjoys that. <laughs> no, but okay. So so maybe then, then what, what we're saying is that the the, offensed, the uh, offended, it's Friday, the offended business is good business. Claim to be offended, oh. make a stink, send something to the media. And if you can get the first lady involved, all the better. But the more offended I can be, hey, look what I can do for my school. And you know what? I bet you, I bet you as crazy as this is, that some publishing house or someone else is going to send a whack of books to that school's <laughs> library. I bet that, that part, you're probably right. Well, she'll, there's probably a GoFundMe page set up for her <laughs> because she's probably now on sick leave for uh, post-traumatic stress from being sent books by Trump's wife. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You yeah, all what? Trump supporters. I, I believe it. I would believe that. Yeah, or, or or different people. There's going to be thousands of copies of Horton Hears a Who sent to that school just yeah. to drive her <laughs> back. I would send one. I, I almost <laughs> would too. I, I, Can uh, we do that from the Scott Radley show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the brightest panel. The autograph. brightest panel. Yeah, we're autographed the Horton Hears a I Who. Get, I get some money out in the car. I'll give you something. <laughs> I've got some, I'm sure we've still got some used Dr. Seuss books at home. As I say, I just, it, it, we have reached a point, and, and it's not a, to me, it's not a healthy point. We've reached a point where, you can't, even the most benign, inoffensive things we seem to want to turn into part of the culture war, part of the oh, class yeah. war, part of the race war, part of all these different wars that are going on. Oh, there's mommy wars. You there's, should see w- what these are mommy, mommy wars? wars. Oh, the mom shaming that goes on online. What is mom shaming? Oh, man, we should have a whole panel about this. This is, it's ridiculous. But what I'm saying is like, there's these mom Facebook groups that, you know, you get added to and so you follow. But how and, would you be shamed? Like, what are you shamed for? Well, okay. Give for, me an example. For, an ex- for example, um, this photo went viral, I don't know when it was, within the last several months, of a mom sitting in an airport and she's got her phone in her hand and there's a blanket on the floor and she's got her two-month-old baby lying on the floor, on the bl- on her blanket. Well, I guess the internet just blew up and what a the, bad mother. Because she wasn't holding her child? Yeah, the, you're a bad mother. What kind of mother are you? You know, you're laying on the floor, blah, 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 it's dirty. You know, I mean, and and most people 
and there's one group that I'm in, they're like, you know what? You don't even know the story. She could have been holding the baby for nine straight hours. And that's what ended up happening because I read an article today saying the story behind that picture was that she, the mother had been, um, her flights had been delayed numerous times. So she was stuck at it, the airport for like 20 hours and had been holding the baby and had been carrying the baby. Man, I, you can only hold a baby for so long. Like the baby needs to stretch out. And so it was this whole thing like and just, oh yeah, if you're breastfeeding, if you're bottle feeding, like... Sleeping with mom, not sleeping yeah, with mom. Yeah, there's all these wars. When we had about, kids, that was offended. one of the big ones. Oh, that, that, but it still is. Yeah, co-sleeping. That, it's you know. Is that you, what it's called? Whether, co-sleeping. Yeah, whether you do, whether you don't. They even like, have a word for it now. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. just sleeping in bed or not. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean, whether it's yeah, mom shaming or shaming about anything, anything. People just want to. But why is it anyone's business? Right. No, exactly. but uh, honestly, if I saw that at a now. Look, if and somebody, a, a complete stranger, took her picture and then put it on the internet, like how how much of an invasion of privacy is that? If mom had put the baby on the floor and then got up to go to the washroom and left the baby alone for fifteen minutes, there's okay, a problem. <laughs> okay, but that's then a safety issue. Yeah, this is not. I, I this see again. This goes right back to the point of a lot of things, including the Dr. Seuss books and everything else. Why is it our business first of all if it's if it's gross negligence or horrible racism or obvious stuff yes fine yeah but why would it be anybody's business whether mom put her baby down for yeah. a few oh, minutes oh because she was holding her phone oh is your phone more interesting than your baby like give me a you have no idea what what the scenario is everyone is just going flying off the handle based on a picture like yeah. just jumping to conclusions well, I'm, because and social media ha- yeah. becomes the everybody has their opinion right and here's a picture of somebody that you have no idea who she is or what the situation is but I'm going to you know lash out with my opinion because I I know from 3,000 miles away I know what's going on here and you know this this mom is you know should be shamed for it and that's that's and the you problem ruin lives. Media, right? You ruin people's lives when you do that. Oh yeah, big oh, yeah. time. And and I just photography. And you know, working for a newspaper, I got to tell you, at the Spectator, we have some of the best photographers, like Barry Gray mm-hmm. and Gary Yokoyama, Scott Gardner, Kathy Coward, and and John Renison. They're they're fantastic. And what they do is capture a moment. The only problem is occasionally that moment doesn't tell the full story. Now, usually, and they're responsible and they're professionals about it and they have credibility that they have to maintain. And so if they were to take a photo that completely did not tell the story, they would either identify it as such in the cut line. It was like in a moment, blah, blah, where she put the baby down after holding for nine hours or something. So it would be identified. But photos that people take don't necessarily tell the broader picture. A picture tells it has is worth a thousand words, but you might need a thousand and ten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but and, and sometimes I don't think people care what the what the story is. They just no. want to get out there. They just want to be there. Want to have their two cents heard. But Jen, it's the it's this thing that we come back again to Dr. Seuss. It seems as though we want yeah. to be angry. They do. We want. They've got to nothing else to do. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. We, yeah, we, we have a need now that if we're going through our day and we're not angered or offended by something, it's, it's a missed day. It's a wasted day. Find me something to be offended yeah. by before I go to bed or yeah. I can't sleep. We know people, we, everyone knows people like oh, this. Yeah. The only way you're happy is if you're unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exhausting. 
It is for everybody. <laughs> uh, now, now I'm going to be going reading Dr. Seuss next time when I have grandkids Mine, yeah. someday, and I'm going to be like, rather than just enjoying the whimsical literature and everything else, I'm going. Wait a sec. Was he talking about Asian people here? Was yeah. this about the? <laughs> no, it was Dr. Seuss. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's in your head. And now yeah. you know what happens? Now you can't get it out of your head. Now it is racist. Now you're looking for now it. Now I'm looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, librarian. This is why we <laughs> nobody reads anymore because of you. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. There was a uh, terrific uh, piece of news today, I think. I think everyone is going to be uh, very relieved about this. I was wondering if you guys think it's about time this happened. The uh, government of Canada is loosening slash relaxing the laws on uh, drunk canoeing. (laughs) Drunk canoeing (laughs) is no longer going to be a thing. You will not lose your driver's license anymore if you get liquored up and then go for a paddle on Algonquin Park. But that's different than being in a regular, like in a motorboat? Oh, yes. If it's it's human-powered now, it's no longer going to be impaired whatever it was. But yes, uh, what shocked me was... You can still hurt yourself and the person in the boat with you. It's not a good idea. No. It's clearly not a good idea to get all (laughs) liquored up and then go for a canoe ride. (laughs) However, it does shock me somehow that we did have a drunk canoeing Canoeing. law on the books. (laughs) That's news to me. I, I, I mean, I'm not a big drunk canoeer, so I... I, And who were the advocates that pushed to have this law overturned? That's a very excellent question. <laughs> like, who had time to, you to know, go through the criminal this. code and go, yeah. what, what laws do we Wait, drunk canoeing? We got to get rid of that. Because the one guy or girl who got nailed with drunk canoeing. That's probably what it was. Yeah. Called their MP and said, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. How did I lose my driver's license for having a few beers and getting into my canoe? <laughs> I, I would love to know what other absolutely... I suppose, you know what? I was going to say idiotic laws. I don't know if this is idiotic, to be dated. honest. Date, it's not idiotic because there are cases where you have people who get hurt. I just mm-hmm. don't know that it should be in the same category as drunk driving. No, That's yeah. the point. There should be something that would yeah. try and discourage people from doing this. Like take but, your paddles away. <laughs> like, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well... You know, I can't, when I'm up at the cottage, I have a, I rent a little like 15 foot tin can boat with a nine horsepower motor. (laughs) We've done that before. I could, I I can't take a drink out into that. And that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. It makes all, all kinds of sense because you know, it's not the one beer that you would have out there on the hot sunny day. It's the guy who takes out a cooler with 24 and he's out there. He's 24 out in a canoe. Oh no. (laughs) Well, but he's out there now in the little tin can fishing boat having put down 22 beers already, and he suddenly decides, I'm bored with the fishing part. I'm going to pull out my shotgun and blow some of these fish away, and then who knows what happens. But So is the difference because you can go fast? I guess so, yeah, I guess. But anyway, I, I had no idea. I had no idea that drunk canoeing was actually a thing in yeah, Canada, that there was a law against drunk canoeing. But <laughs> So handle the new freedoms with responsibility with and discretion. Yes. <laughs> Or something. <laughs> what about paddle boating? Is that on there? If it's human powered. Yeah, then yeah. But could you have, like, you know, have you seen that bicycle? What's the big thing? The bicycle drives around Hamilton with, like, the t- whole team gets on the thing. And there's, like, 40 people sitting on that bicycle. Oh, have you seen, seen that, that one? No. And but I want to see it. Well, what if you have, like, a paddle boat with that, with, like, 40 people <laughs> racing around on a lake with human well, power? The, the and rowers. they're all drunk. You could do that. The rower, yeah, rowing. They're, they're Olympic eight man. Drunk rowing. 
the inebriated rowing, coxless four drunk <laughs> racing now. We could have a whole new Olympic category for this. <laughs> the, they'd be hard to keep in the straight lines, though. <laughs> they'd be taking each other out. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. What movie could you do the most lines from? Probably the one that you just gave back to me. I, I dropped off the uh, the four film favorite, uh, the Vacation Collection. Yes. Dropped it off at your house. Um, Last year. Uh, yeah, around Christmas time because <laughs> you, you uh, had wanted to watch Christmas Vacation with the family and didn't have it. So I thought, well, I've got it on Blu-ray, but I've got this four pack of all of the vacations. So I uh, dropped it off. But the one that I could recite and probably like almost line for line is the uh, original Vacation where they go to Wally World. Yes. Yeah, I could do some. Yeah. Of those Christmas vacation, I probably could do even better at. Yeah, yeah. Spinal Tap can do the whole movie pretty much. Never seen it. You you've never seen Spinal Tap? Nope. Top well, Gun. I, I know what movie I'm bringing you next time I see you. <laughs> okay. I think we had this discussion before about Spinal Tap. Maybe Slapshot. Slapshot, I could do a lot of. It's not the one that's based like filmed in Hamilton. Uh, no, that was Young Blood. Oh, Young that was Blood. with Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze. Oh yeah. One of the worst hockey movies ever made. <laughs> really was. Uh, although Cynthia Gibb was okay in that movie. Um, mm. But no, have you, you've seen Slapshot. I don't know. I don't think I have. Have Another you one. seen Caddyshack? Parts of it. What is going on here? We're in Bizarro World. Know, a guy who has not seen Slapshot, <laughs> Caddyshack, or Spinal Tap. Yeah, but I've seen Iron... Have you seen Iron Eagle? Uh. Is that the gymnastics one? No. Okay, this is like the worst. Though. Lou Gossett Jr. Oh, that one. Well, what's, what was the one with like Janet Jones and she was the gymnast in it? Who the heck is Janet Jones? Wayne Gretzky's wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she was in a movie? Oh, she she used to be quite an actor. She was in uh, Flamingo Kid, the Flamingo Kid, and she was in um, that one, whatever, that gymnastics one, like the very exciting world of high-stress comp- high competitive gymnastics. <laughs> is she a gymnast by I trade? Don't, I don't know. I don't know, but... American Anthem, not American Iron or American Eagle or whatever you said. <laughs> American oh, Eagle. Oh, no, no. American, American Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle. Don't, Iron, that's American the Eagle's the clothing. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yes, thank you. American Anthem. There's uh-huh. one to avoid at all costs. American Anthem. Okay. And Iron Eagle. Don't you know, one it. of these days, you know, you may just have struck on something for a good show. We'll just have a call-in show one day and people can just call in and recite their favorite movie line. Yeah, they give Any you a movie. line and you try to guess, you know, yes. what it's from. Guess what you it have is. a panel yeah. in here yes. and we try to do, you know. The only rule is it must be clean. All right, you can't yeah. be, uh, well, no, no no naughty words. Uh, all right. And, then uh, you're not going to have any of the good movies. Well. No, I'm kidding. There's some. <laughs> what are you guys watching? <laughs> if you're not watching Caddyshack and Spinal Tap, what are you guys watching? You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Jumping to something completely on the alternative side of uh, this kind of silliness. There was a very interesting uh, case. Now, it's, it's been dropped as a case, per se, although it's still lingering around, I'm told. But there is a rule. It's not a law, I don't believe. It's a rule. And I think it makes on face some sense that... If you are an alcoholic who has blown out your liver and you are now having health problems and you need a liver transplant in this country, the rule says you must establish that you are clean and sober for six months before Hmm. you can be put on the waiting list. And again, I think most people would say, well, okay, I, you know, that I think I see why they're doing that. There was a guy, and I can't remember what city he was in, 
who was taking it to court because he said, I haven't been sober, but I'm in desperate health need and I need to go on that list. And you're against me by not letting me, even though I haven't been quite to the six months. First of all, is there any doubt that this makes some sense? Is there any doubt that this is a good policy to have to say before you get on the law, on the list and get a new liver that you're just going to blow out someone else's liver, show us that you can... But this is just to get on the list. Just to get on the list. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not... I've never struggled with alcoholism, but I mean, it's really... It's categorized as a disease, is it not? It is. So, I mean... To, to beat something like that. I mean, I know people trying to quit smoking is not easy for somebody to do. So trying to quit drinking, I'm sure, would be just as difficult. A hundred percent agree. And so maybe like to just get on the list. But there maybe are so there many some people. Leeway, but you have to have, maybe you have to be sober for six months before your surgery. Like it's yeah. up to six months before the surgery. There are so many people that are needing organs and needing a liver that yeah. it, uh, I understand why they have this. If you're going to get onto that list, if you're going to get operated on, we don't want one of these precious donated organs right. to be put into you and you just go right back to drinking and ruin another one. Mickey Mantle did that. Mickey Mantle was an alcoholic who got, went back to drinking after he had a liver transplant. It was, and you know, so I get the idea behind it for, you say smoking to me, you should be showing that you've stopped smoking for six months because I don't want you getting a lung transplant. Yeah, but I mean, what does really six months prove? That Somebody could have quit for six years and then start smoking again they could. or start drinking again. They could. You're Again, you're 100% right. It just shows that you are A, capable. I think that it shows you're capable mm-hmm. and that you are putting in the effort to show you are willing to... I, I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I, I don't know that saying that somebody's not putting in the effort. I mean, you don't know what somebody's circumstances to for why they may have fallen off the wagon. And and if it's a disease, if I mean, I think it I don't know. I think it would um I it's really hard to say because I'm not I've never been in that situation. I don't know. I don't understand the struggle, but I can only imagine the struggle. But let, okay, let's use the the world's worst example. And I apologize for this right up front because it's horrible what I'm going to ask you right now. I get that. But let's say something were to happen to Jay. Mm-hmm. And let's say Jay had had passed away suddenly for some reason and you said, I want to donate his organs yeah. so that some part of him would live on. And his organs went to someone who was an alcoholic and hadn't really stopped drinking and you gave his liver and that person just, and now Jay's liver that has been donated basically goes to it. To me, that's... It's, okay, but here's it's here's, offensive almost to the person who's donating. Okay, it. but here's the thing: if hmm. alcoholism is regarded as a disease, what if somebody okay, it just as awful, um, you know, has cancer, and then they need an organ? So they and so at this point they're cancer free, but they and then they get an organ donated, and then oh, they get cancer again. That's beyond their control. And so, yes, that is because that's a disease, right? Like you can't control that. And some can argue, well, you can control your drinking. But if drinking to that extent to alcoholism is a disease, then maybe they can't control it. Maybe, you know, they need that. I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to maybe be devil's advocate here. But because I don't know, I, I that's really hard to say. I, I can't I, I, I don't understand that. What do you think, Jay? <laughs> well, you guys are having a good conversation yeah, no, about I'll... this. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I I, I see. I'm going to be on the fence, and I I see the. Uh, I can see how, um, you know, if there's a good liver to go to somebody, and mm-hmm. uh, is it? I can see the argument about yeah, is it just going to go to waste if if somebody is going is is continuing to, um, uh, you know, have the behavior that led them the path you know, that destroyed their liver in the first place. So, yeah, are you, you know, throwing good livers after bad, you know? Um, <laughs> There's a phrase we've never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> it's like That's a dad, is this like a dad thing? Like dad <laughs> lines, dad jokes? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I Make totally a note of that one. We're going to re- keep that one for the best of throwing <laughs> good livers after bad. <laughs> But you can see, and this is why we're married, because she <laughs> thinks I'm funny. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you can you can see how, uh, yeah, if it's if it's a disease, right, and how it's you know easier said than done to just stop, and uh, you know, so are we um, sort of playing a, a role in somebody's death if we if but, we don't allow them to have this organ? Okay, but even if if it's a disease, and I grant you, it is. I th- I think it's categorized as a disease as far as doctors go. I mean, we hear about it all the time as being a disease. Mm-hmm. So, but even if it is, if you are needing a liver for someone to go to, and even if it's a disease, and you're going to put it in there, and they can't stop drinking because it's a disease, you're wasting that organ. Because they're just going to be... They, but maybe uh, you're giving them, uh, that's another way of them trying to have, get a second chance at life, just as anybody else. Are they, so you as think it not, could be motivating? Are they, are, maybe. Sure. Of course. We're going to give you a second chance at life here. Your liver is toast because you've, you know, drowned it in alcohol. So here's a brand new one. Like, you know, so is somebody not as deserving at a second chance because they're an alcoholic versus somebody who is not? You know, deserving is an interesting word. It really is. Because is anybody deserving of, you know, a second chance? Well, you mm-hmm. would like to think so. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what if we got to the point in the medical community where the person who was making the donation was entitled to have a say about who would get hmm. the organs? I am willing to donate my spouse's organ, but it must be to... Now, this would get very dangerous. That's right. I was just going to say because... You could have racists. You could have other people. It could be very dangerous where that goes. slippery slope. It's a very slippery slope. And that's why they would never do it because Mm -hmm. you you would like to say, I want this to go to someone who doesn't Smoke, but then you could say, I don't want or, this to go to somebody who is Asian or somebody who is black right, or so somebody who never, is gay, whatever, right? Right. So you'll never have that happen, nor really should you. But boy, I would, t- to use the example that I gave, if I had a loved one who passed mm-hmm. away and I donated their organs and it was given to someone who then promptly went right back to the kind of self-destructive behavior that caused them to be in that position in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that would be very... It's insulting, angering, angering yeah, for insulting. Sure. All but those how would you ever things. know that? That's another good point. You wouldn't necessarily know. You wouldn't necessarily know. I mean, you see those every once in a while. You will see those reunions. They'll do a video or yeah. something where someone's heart. I watched one the other day, and it was you know it's like you have this huge lump in your throat because a man has a there's a person who was a teenager or something, and and it's a, a woman who's getting up there in years and her husband's heart had been put into this guy. And she was like, had her hand on his oh chest, gosh. feeling the heartbeat. And you're like, Whoa, wow. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing is, I remember from watching that video, the interesting part was where he was talking about all he was doing now 
to make sure that this was as healthy as possible. He'd been eating right and he's been exercising and everything. I am going to make sure that this he, is yeah that this is taken care of. That and I am honors in, you've the entr- person's life. You've entrusted me with his, part of him. I'm going to do that. And also, and in in a sense, too, probably his second chance at life too, which could be the inspiration and the the thing that that I, I, you know an alcoholic might need to. But you know, we had a guy. A we had a guy on this show. And I'm forgetting his name right now. Some people, if they were listening that night, will remember. Uh, he was a guy who broke his spine and became a paraplegic at First Ontario Centre on a motorcycle doing a double forward flip. I think I heard that interview. And he's back now. He he now does it. He They strap him onto his motorcycle because his lower half doesn't work. He's paralyzed from the waist down or from the chest down. And he, he went back to motorcycle jumping. Wow. And one of the questions that I asked him was... All the doctors, all the nurses, all the specialists who did all this work to save your life, is this not kind of slapping them in the face if you were to have another accident and be killed or whatever else? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he had an answer. He had thought this through. And I can't remember what his his answer was exactly, but he had thought it through. But still, it's these are not easy things to think about. They're Mm -hmm. not. And, And, you know, part of me says... There should be a requirement, not just with livers, but with lots of things in our medical system that you, if it's a, if it's a caused illness and some, a lot of illnesses obviously aren't, but if it's a caused illness, you must show us that you've changed that behavior before we uncause that illness. Hmm. And maybe that's harsh. Maybe that's unfair. I don't know. That is kind of harsh, I think, but I can see where. The you reasoning. Would, the reasoning. Yeah, I can see that. But again, like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to repeat myself. So I just. Won't. No, but if someone <laughs> is, you know, have you ever watched that show on TLC? I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed to admit that I have actually watched it a few times. That my 600 pound life. Yeah. So they have these people who are morbidly obese for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's sexual abuse, and they've just taken to food. Others, it's a, you know, they've got glandular or whatever condition. But when they're operated on to save their life by slimming, the, by g- giving them a chance to lose the weight, when they don't follow the advice, and I know it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine how difficult it is when you've been eating 70,000 calories a day. Yeah. I, I can only imagine it's very difficult, but there seems like there's an obligation there to fight yeah. through that. Well, yeah, you're fighting, you're basically fighting for your life, right? And it's... But not just your life. Because all the people who have invested in you and sure, all the people yeah. who have put time and effort and emotion yeah. and energy into you. Do you. See, that's where I think you owe. It's not just, yeah, drinking may be a disease, but if you're going to get a new liver, you better be able to stop. Mm-hmm. Well. That's my, I, I, so, and that's, and that's what you're saying. There was a rule. They've changed that. Is that. What, no, they haven't changed it. He, haven't he changed went to it. court. He went to court and he said, I haven't fully done the six months yet. So I need, but you're. But this I, is just to get on the list. But I, I, I guess once you're on the list because of matching things, like it's not a numeric oh. sequential list. Oh, okay. You get put on that list, but if your liver, if your body I matches see. it, you could be the first one as it turns out. Oh, so, okay, okay. Um, but as it turns out, once he, st- the interesting thing is once he, st- the story says once he stopped drinking to try and get to the six months, his liver function actually improved. And he showed signs of getting, now he's not better, better. But, but maybe he wouldn't even need the transplant? We don't know. 
Mm. We don't know. But so now he's pulled back this lawsuit and he says, we could still bring it, but right now it's okay. Anyway, it, it was ah. a really interesting one about where does responsibility come as part of the medical system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I do see that because it is frustrating when you when you watch somebody not take care of themselves and it's you can see what it's doing to them and it's their own choice. I've seen that. I've lived it as, you know, with, with uh, people that are close to me and it's frustrating and it's heartbreaking, but there are always underlying reasons that may be. It's not easy. No, there's no, no one is arguing. I don't think that telling an alcoholic that you have to stop drinking. No one is arguing that's going to be simple to do or telling a smoker you have to stop smoking. Yeah. But to go and give them a new organ of whatever kind, only knowing that they're just going to do the same thing seems wasteful. Mm-hmm. Well, there's uh, there's that result. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Doctors are warning people not to get eyeball tattoos. What? Oh yeah. Some some girl got a tattoo in her eyeball. How is that even possible? They put little needles oh. in your eyeball with ink, and now she's having trouble seeing. And doctors are saying, "Yeah, don't get eyeball tattoos." Do we really need doctors warning us not to get eyeball tattoos? Is it? Are we really at that point where this is something we need guidance on? Well, there Jay? really are idiots like this in the world. Apparently, that, that I consider need to see a picture of this. Yeah, I, I saw a quick uh, image of it. Uh, I don't know if it was real or not, but I, I just looked oh, at it and thought, I'll, you are an idiot. Like, she's got purple, it's yeah. purple dye that's uh, that's in her eye. Um, I'll see if I can find one here. It's not going to help oh, people is at it, home. Is she, was she from Ottawa? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. And it's, but again, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, first of all. <gasps> oh, goodness. <laughs> Jen just saw the picture. <laughs> uh, we'll, horrifying. Jen will be back with she's us in an hour or so. purple. Yeah. It's, it's like a mauve in her eyeball. First of all, who who's the person who wakes up in the morning and says, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to have someone inject dye into my eyeball. That'll be a good look. That's the first thing. Who thinks that looks good? And second of all, who are the people who, that do it? who do it? Could you imagine have like, it t- someone always has to be the first. Could you imagine being the first person when they're testing it out and they say, hey, how about you try my eyeball? Yeah, like it's like, be like oh yeah, we we uh, somebody asked about that last week. You know, we were trying it out and uh, let's give it a whirl, right? Let's like give it a well, whirl. what? Yeah. Like come on! It's like the first person who ever walked in and asked for a genital piercing. Oh, it's like, <laughs> really? We can do that? No, it's you shouldn't be doing that. That should be another warning. Any yeah. place that's sensitive, no piercings. But a needle in your eye. A needle in your eye. I just am amazed that we have people in our society who are apparently requiring advice at this kind of level of base survival mode. Does this I guess like common this sense isn't common. No, no. <laughs> this <laughs> is the world. Like, this is what, I, this is what <laughs> makes the world such a great place. Like, it's just filled with all kinds of people. And you just, just when you think that you've heard the stupidest thing. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, there's people like this out here who want to get their eyeballs injected with tattoo ink and but and then are surprised that they could lose their eye. Yeah. Like no didn't, didn't that cross her mind? Well, I was and she didn't see that coming. <laughs> Boom. <Ba-boom. laughs> uh he'll be here all night. Try the Hindsight needle. 2020. <laughs> 
Um, you are lucky. I love you. She wasn't. A good, she wasn't a good pupil. Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, those are. It's got to be a dad thing. A dad thing. It is yeah. dad jokes, man. No, I. I, I she she woke up and thought it's a good idea for me to have someone stick a needle into my eyeball. The Why, li- for somebody could go, whoa, that looks cool. You know what? Just go get colored contact lenses. Done. Just rub your eyes really hard for a long time. <laughs> make the eye, make them red bloodshot and you could. Yeah. I, I'm assuming this person needs, like when she wakes up in the morning, someone's put up on her wall a thing saying, do not cross the street without looking both ways. Oh. Yeah. Do not juggle machetes. <laughs> um, do not drink the bottle that has the skull and crossbones. Like how, how much instruction do you need to get through your day if you're not understanding that needles in your eyeballs would be a bad idea? Well, I, when I was quickly looking for the uh, picture of the article, it was uh, tat- eye tattoo gone wrong or whatever it's called, sclera tattoo gone wrong. So uh, maybe there are some that have gone right. So, I mean. I guess. So but I, you're going to take risk that, that I guess it's a risk that she wanted to take. I mean, I don't know. I just, as I say, it, it just is amazing to me that we are, that we have people who are old enough to cast ballots in elections. Right. Yeah, exactly. Old enough to have children and be parents Old enough to get behind the wheel of a 2,000 or 3,000 pound vehicle. Old enough to go and buy liquor and soon to be pot at dispensaries. Yep. But not old enough or mature enough to say that injecting your eyeball with needles might be a bad concept. (laughs) If if all those things, and I only started, it's only the tip of the iceberg. Of all those things, I think if you were to tell a four-year-old, okay, put these in order of don't do. Yep. Hmm. Putting needles in your eyeball would be the one that they would say, oh, not going to do that. That would be stupid. (laughs) Like crossing the street. Okay, I might be able to cross the street and not get hit by a car, but a needle in my eyeball is always going to be a bad play. Full of ink. Yeah, full of ink. And imagine, I mean. I mean, I've never even, I I don't have any tattoos, so. Nor do I. From what I've heard, no, he doesn't either, but, um, you know, it's. Some people say it doesn't hurt, but some people say it does hurt. It's just a lot of needles, right? Like on your skin. So imagine on your eyeball. I'm, you know, Jay doesn't have any tattoos, but I'm thinking you've got the, you've got the king, not the, no, the Bam Bam Bigelow head shape. You should get the flames on your head, <laughs> on the bald head. I think he should get, he should get a tattoo, but. What do you want him to get? Well, I don't know. On his eyeball? My name. <laughs> Carved onto his yeah. eyeball. Can you? Get, I'm trying to think. Can you get your tongue tattooed? Trying to think of other stupid oh, places sure to get you your. Oh, I'm sure to get you tattoos. Yeah. I, I, it one. sounds like you. I. I think you can probably get a tattoo anywhere you want. Pretty much anywhere. Which, you know, those tattoo artists must also wake up some mornings and someone walks into their store and says, "I'd like a." And they got to. They got to be thinking really like how much the fees just went way up. Yeah. You want me to tattoo there? Yeah. Okay, that's, yeah, four, that's, that's four times the normal price if absolutely. I'm going to be working in the heart of darkness. <laughs> you know, we're not, uh, we're not tattooing there for low if prices. i got to put a headlamp on my head to do this tattoo. <laughs> and then who sees them, really? Well, I guess they do. I'll tell you my all-time favorite. They were way off track, but my all-time favorite tattoo, I would never get it, but boy, did I ever laugh the first time I saw it, was the one on someone's butt. That had a picture of Elmer Fudd hunting, following <laughs> rabbit tracks right down into the butt crack. <laughs> right into the rabbit hole. Right into the rabbit hole. Oh, <laughs> See, that at least was funny. I yeah. thought, okay. That, and and probably, you know, it's your butt. Like, how much would that hurt I had right a friend there? who got a tattoo yeah. on his butt. See, that would that would be probably the least painful place, I would think, to get it done. It's pretty meaty. 
pretty meaty. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. The meatier the place, it's not as doesn't hurt. But then if you're on bone, then it hurts more. Or eyeball. Or eyeball. Yeah. Or eyeball. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, we 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 live. We clearly we need to have. There have been people who have been lobbying that we should be bringing back like home ec. Not necessarily home ec, but some sort of real life course. To I school. totally agree. Money managing, how to clean your house, like the basic stuff that people maybe haven't learned yet. I think common sense could actually be one of the segments of that but thing. But then who's teaching the common sense course? Probably the teacher with a tattooed eyeball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that as soon as you walk in and the teacher has a sleeve of tattoos yeah. that have all his hey. ex-girlfriend's name on them. And tattoos are cool and they're fine. Like I don't have anything against tattoos at all. But I mean, on your eyeball, I mean, well. There are certain That's places. up to you. That's, go for it. Okay. It is up to you. But then don't be complaining. Oh, right. No, for when sure. When it goes horribly south and you can't see anymore, don't be going <laughs> to the media saying, hey, the doctor, the guy, not the doctor. Yeah, if it was a doctor, the guy did it wrong. Yeah. It's your eyeball. You know, I mean, the other thing is, I don't understand tattoos all that well, except that they take the ink and they put it down below your epidermis into the dermis. So it's a second level. So it doesn't just r- rub out. Maybe even below that. I'm not sure. Is your eyeball not just filled with juice oh, like wouldn't it just it's God. you're asking for like at least when it's into your skin it stays sort of in place this is just like you put it in and and well, now it's everywhere yeah. and that was the other thing that i was i quickly read it was i guess that she, she was quoted as saying that she could lose her whole eye if the ink solidifies because that's right there's a picture of it the purple running did down her cheek did you not think of this beforehand oh. I don't know. Did she not yeah. think? Do you not? Who doesn't think of this stuff beforehand? If I'm going to do my. Like, you know, wasn't there a, like a waiver she had to sign? Or? One of the reasons, not the only reason by any stretch, but one of the reasons that I've never got a tattoo, and there are many, but mm-hmm. one of the reasons is it's not something that if you get it done and then you realize A, the person made a spelling mistake, B, they can't draw. Something else happens. It's not something you can easily undo. Right. Right. It's not something you can take an eraser and just wipe out. So I've never been comfortable enough to say, oh yeah, I would fully trust that this part of my body is going to be perpetual. It might be a great job, but you know what? My wife's name, I don't want it misspelled on my body. (laughs) (laughs) Go online and look at some of the tattoo errors. There are websites with tattoo errors where people have misspelled stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you know, my, one of my favorites, and there's lots of them, it was, is uh, I'm no angle. <laughs> 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 well, you know, you're probably not, but... Um, Jake comes <laughs> home with a tattoo that says Jan. Jan. <laughs> on his arm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. He gets kicked out. Yeah. We, need, we, need, we need brighter people in our society. We just do. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. The Sporting News came out with a list this week of the best fan bases in Canada. Now, they judged National Hockey League teams, the one Major League Baseball team, the one NBA team, uh, MLS soccer, and CFL. Oh, CFL actually got in there. CFL got it. Well, they're in with the 21 professional teams. Hamilton Ticats right exactly in the middle at number 11. But here's, there were a couple that really struck me as unusual. One in particular, third lowest in the mix of a bunch of CFL teams. And, you know, look, you can love the CFL 
but when you're talking about NHL and Major League Baseball and stuff, it's it's tough to break out. Third lowest, 19th, the Ottawa Senators. How does a hockey team in a country whose winter official sport is hockey, in the nation's capital, a team that went to the semifinals last year, have such, apparently, a crummy fan base, Jay, that they... Sporting News looks at this and goes, yeah, they're they're terrible. Well, it's probably because they're one of the newer kids on the block on this list, right? Well, um, the I'm, Vancouver Whitecaps are ahead of them. The Toronto FC is ahead of them. Montreal Impact is ahead of them. Toronto Raptors are ahead. I mean, everybody's ahead of them. Everybody's ahead of them. Yeah. Well, and I'm just thinking off the top, they, they were not selling out playoff games, nope. right? Nope. So, I mean, that makes sense from that point of view. Um yeah, I mean, there's. I think there's people who, just the, the Leafs and the Canadians have been around for forever, and so then then you add a team right in between the two, closer to Montreal, obviously, and you know, and so I think it's it's not like people are just going to give up their allegiance to the Leafs or the Canadians because there's an Ottawa team. Some people have, but um, I don't know. I think maybe that that's the struggle because they're in between those two huge hockey Goliaths. And, and How did we not get that expansion team, though? When you look at this, you realize how Ottawa's fan base is even getting drilled by the U.S. Even the U.S. media can now look and see they're not doing it. How, do, how did we not get that team? That that years later. Well, maybe we're too close to Toronto too. Well, of course, I Buffalo. Mean, I, it's and a, Buffalo, yeah, right in between, right. It's mm-hmm. a bit of a rhetorical question, but I mean, yeah. still, you just look and you go, uh, surely, if Hamilton had a team, we would not be 19th out of 21st in Don't the fan call me bases. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, well done. Uh, did you now number one on the list? Can I? I haven't. I saw that this list came out. I didn't see who was on the list. Who do you think is number one? I'm gonna guess. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders? They are number two. That's an excellent guess. They were number two. The Num- Habs, I'm M- guessing. Montreal ha- Canadiens were number four. Oh. Toronto Maple Leafs, number eight. Which, by the way, it is someone at the Sporting News was injecting some kind of hallucinogenics because <laughs> they've got the Toronto Raptors ahead of the Maple Leafs, which is oh. goofy. But number one on the list, Toronto FC. I was gonna. Uh-huh. I was thinking that, but it's. I've never been to a TFC game, but it's pretty like it's pretty popular. It's pretty big from what I've seen. See, mm-hmm. I, I guess. I guess the question is like, wh- what are you gauging the fa- if it's wildness of the fans? Yeah, I could see them being right at the top. Them with Saskatchewan. If it's if it's number of fans, no, no. They've got they have they they have an ardent niche fan base that is growing for sure but it's not anywhere compared to Montreal the Canadians or the Leafs or the Jays or anything like that I don't think yeah it would be interesting to see what they what the basis was they for, didn't say for the at uh, first I didn't realize you meant just in it, Canadian teams just Canadian that's teams that's why I'm like CFL oh wow they made the list <laughs> yeah yeah well, <laughs> some, that's some why people, I was thinking like cause some I, people even here would be would be <laughs> stunned by that <laughs> uh, the entire list by the way Toronto FC first Saskatchewan second the Blue Jays third, the Montreal Canadiens fourth, Raptors fifth, Winnipeg Jets, Ottawa Red Blacks, Toronto Maple Leafs. Again, Ottawa Red Blacks ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's yeah, silly. That's, that's, that's kind of odd. Someone's trying too hard a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Jamaica, um, Montreal Impact, Calgary Flames, Hamilton Ticats, Edmonton Oilers, Vancouver Whitecaps, Calgary Stampeders, Vancouver Canucks, Edmonton Eskimos, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who should be higher, Montreal Alouettes, Ottawa Senators, BC Lions, and... 
Uh, Who did I not mention yet? The worst fan base in all of Canada, and this one, there's no disagreement on. Because there is no fan base. Oh, Edmonton? Toronto Argonauts. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Toronto Argonauts and their legion of six fans. (laughs) Their fan. Their fan, number one fan. I don't know. I'm... I'm, uh, what do you think about it? I mean, sh- is Hamilton in the middle or should ha- I mean, they are, but is, is that where they should be? Are the Ham- Do the Hamilton Tie Cats have a terrific fan base or do they have a fan base when the team is doing well but not so much otherwise? I think it's the latter. A bandwagon uh, I th- I fan think, base? I think we like to feel like we are always going to be there for the team and support the team no matter what, but I'll be the first to admit that this year um, I had some uh, an opportunity to go to a couple of games, had some tickets come our way, but we were away, so we didn't get to go, and then and then they just the team kept getting worse and worse and worse and hadn't won, and then the stuff with our Bryles, and then, you know, just stuff kept compounding, and I was like, I just really <laughs> don't feel like going to a game. Yeah. Um, much the same as I, I didn't go to a Blue Jays game this year because I was and you know in the past when they didn't make the playoffs I would go to games but this year I think I was ticked off that they just went from you know two years in the playoffs just to seemingly not being able to get to 500 all season long so it was kind of a conscious effort not to go to the game so I think that the Tie Cats I think we like to think that we're you know it's we're gonna be big fans and no matter what but i think when they things are going well like people get upset and they you know and maybe boycott yeah <laughs> it is um it is an interesting list for sure and and much of it apparently is based on uh attitude who is wildest who is loudest who is craziest mm. i'm not sure the Ticat fans are when things are going well yeah but I mean, I I'd like to see. I know uh, Blue Bombers are pretty. Uh, I've they have the they're... loudest stadium in Canada. Yeah. By by, they took a sound test. Uh, what do you call Decibles. it? Decibels. Uh, Decibel. Thank you. It's Friday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, a decibel. I was going to say Richter, and I was thinking, no, that's not the right word. Huh? <laughs> Richter scale. That would be a whole other one. <laughs> if they could measure it on the Richter scale, you really got some wild fans. Yeah. The Scott Radley Show weeknights from seven to nine on AM nine hundred AM nine hundred CHML.